I'm Chelsea Bay. And I'm Shay. Together, we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true, and no one's identity has been protected. Here is Fulfillment Stories podcast number 28. Gary Jonas and his wife Allison have been in the restaurant and bar business for over 10 years. They opened their first restaurant called The Farm on Adderley in Brooklyn, New York in 2006, followed by a bar called Sycamore Bar and Flower Shop in 2008, and The Little Fleet in 2013. They live in Traverse City, Michigan with their two daughters. Here's Gary's story from the September 2016 event. Next up is Gary Jonas, and he is my neighbor. He is uh, the creator of The Little Fleet, the place where all the food trucks gather and have brought us tastes from around the world and a place to be outside and a place to make it be your own cuisine. Um, and, you know, when I was looking up Gary to find his, his uh, bio to, to write it, I couldn't find anything because he, he's so humble. He doesn't have a Facebook page. He doesn't have an about page on Little Fleet. He doesn't, he's kind of a mystery to us. So I'm, I'm hoping we can learn a little bit more about him today. But, um, you know, the, the whole point of fulfillment is to realize that we're all the same. And just because one person has created something um, doesn't mean they have magical powers. We are all capable of that. Um, so here is Gary. Oh, thanks, Chelsea. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, right. Um, how badly do you want an apple right now? <laughs> right. Um, this is great. Um, so when I found out from Chelsea that she wanted me to do this, I uh, told my wife, Allison, and Allison said, why you? And, and Allison's definitely feisty, but... I think what she meant is that she should be up here with me, too, because uh, every, everything that we've done, we've always done together. And so this is our story, and um, I'll just say that I feel incredibly lucky to have a partner like Allison, and I, I won't look at you anymore, otherwise I'll start to cry, but we've, we've had this great partnership throughout the years, and uh, it's been a great journey. Um, in everything we've done, we've always been creative and we've always had fun. We've tried not to be afraid to take risks. And we've always valued the importance of people. So after college, uh, Allison and I found ourselves in New York City for no particular reason, actually. We were living in this uh, neighborhood of Brooklyn called Ditmas Park. And this was a little different than every other part of Brooklyn. This was, like, quiet. It had, like, uh, Victorian-style homes. And uh, it didn't have, like, restaurant on top of restaurant on top of restaurant. It didn't have, like, bar on top of bar on top of bar. It didn't have hipsters everywhere. It was actually ranked the most diverse zip code in the entire country in 2000. So this is what we liked about it. It wasn't other parts of Brooklyn and New York. But um, So we found ourselves in, uh, in, in corporate America. We were... Um, Allison was working as a marketing manager for Viacom, and I was um, selling mortgages on mortgageline.com. And we, were, um, <laughs> we, would, uh, we would get dressed in our nice clothes every morning. We would take the subway in, and um, Allison would get off at 42nd Street, and I would keep going. And 
over the course of the years, this uh, this commute and the people around us uh, became uh, more and more unbearable, and we realized that this like um, this wasn't for us. And uh, you know, my beard started getting bigger and bigger, and um, and. and this uh, this idea of like forty second Street Times Square, this announcer would announce it every time Allison got off. It became like the um, like a fingernails on the chalkboard. It was like we just couldn't handle it anymore, and we realized that we weren't cut out for that rat race, and we had to do something on our own. Well, at the same time, um, this neighborhood of Brooklyn was slowly t- starting to change, and there were more and more people move into Dimmick's Park, and. Um, there was there was this problem that there weren't enough restaurants and bars there, and so Allison and I had this brilliant idea to open up a restaurant. Well, the problem is, is that Allison and I had absolutely no restaurant experience. <laughs> well, that we, we I mean we'd worked in like server positions here and there, but definitely not qualified to open a restaurant. And uh, we told our friends, and all of our friends thought <laughs> we were totally crazy. Like, are, are you nuts? Uh, this is like the statistics were something crazy. Like nine out of ten restaurants in New York City fail within the first year. That's like one out of ten restaurants survives twelve months. But we thought we were like I don't know something clicked, and we thought we could handle that risk, and so we we did it. We um, we found this dilapidated building on Cortelyu Road, and we. Um, had this like big backyard that was disgusting, but we um, were determined to do it, and uh, it was cheap. And we said, "Why not?" Well, um, so we we started working on the space, and after uh, in, in the first year, I almost killed myself doing demo work. Um, we were turned down by seven banks, and we were persistent. We like kept working on the business plan, and we kept trying to raise money, and finally. Uh, this uh, Chase gave us an SBA loan, and we were we had the funds, and we were ready to go. Well, we ready or not, we were we had <laughs> we we had to, and so um, the lingering issue was still that we we had no <laughs> restaurant experience. So we reached out to uh, these restaurateurs. Their names were Jim and Allen, and they were kind of like restaurant the kings of the restaurant scene in Brooklyn. They had opened up restaurant after restaurant, and they were, like, on every block. And they were famous for, like, going into neighborhoods that hadn't quite popped yet and and, and, and pushing that into – and opening restaurants and pushing it. And so we reached out to them, and, and they ended up helping us. Well, it turns out that these guys were kind of clowns and kind of cowboys, and they um, – true or not true, I'm not sure, but one of the guys was like connected to the mafia. And um, <laughs> on on opening night, uh, the, the one guy is in the kitchen. He's cooking like with his shirt off and with like a cigar in his mouth. And he's like bleeding from his face. And I was like, oh shit, I've had it, right? <laughs> so, um, but they did, they did help. And um, they actually, they introduced us to our chef, Tom, who became like the most integral part of the restaurant. And... Uh, and, and, and Allison and I, we, we learned a lot. We learned a lot really fast. We were, uh, we had to. We were desperate, and we, uh, we were, we were eager, and we we were driven, and we were, uh, we worked our butts off, and we had this like energy and this enthusiasm and, and this excitement in the restaurant that was unstoppable, and uh, the, the neighborhood like picked up on this, and they gravitated to this restaurant. Um, and, and, you know, the customers, like every single customer that walked in, we like gave everything to them. It like drained us at the end of the night. We're like, Ugh. but we did it and it, it worked. We had like regulars, like crazy. And the restaurant became the restaurant of this Dimmis Park area. It was amazing. 
Um, so we, we had some really nice um, write-ups. Uh, we, we were written up in the New York Times. We had uh, the New Yorker. Um, the, we, uh, New York Magazine gave us the best french fries in all of New York City. Like, well, yeah, but like, do you know how many restaurants are in New York City? And do you know how many restaurants have french fries? It's like insane, right? Uh, but there's one write-up that like really like stuck out to me, and it was um, Time Out New York had this whole uh, issue dedicated to service, and they uh, they picked out three restaurants to feature, and one of them was the Farm on Hatterley, and it was like us like we don't have that type of training. We didn't do like perfect wine pours at the table. We didn't like offer like this white glove service. Or it just us like I would I wouldn't be surprised if they did the food, but. The, we didn't, we didn't deserve that. But then I thought about it, and we, we, we did. We created this energy with uh, the customers and with our staff that it was, it was contagious. And, it, it was, it, and, and I guess Time Out in New York felt it too, but it was working. Um, and and I, I strongly believe that after, you know, the food was amazing, but the, the secret to this was that we treated our staff like gold, and we actually did this without even like trying or like knowing we were doing it. We just kind of treated them like normal people, and like they weren't working like for us; they were working like with us, you know. And um, it just it just created this like loving environment, and people like wanted to stay and work with us. People worked with us for like six, seven, eight years, which is totally unheard of in New York City. And so I feel like that was a, a major crucial point to to why the farm was successful. Um, well, I'm proud to say that the farm on Adderley just ce- celebrated its 10-year anniversary t- this summer. So a couple years after opening the farm, we looked out into the dining room. It was like 10.30 or 11 at night, and we realized that there was a full dining room, but nobody was eating. It was just people who were drinking. And um, we, we, we figured out this was the case because there were no other bars on Cortelia Road. And so Allison and I thought to ourselves, ah, another opportunity, this another supply and demand gap that we can capitalize on this. And so we opened up a, a bar four doors down the block. And, you know, just a regular bar probably would have been fine, but Allison and I decided to do something creative and innovative, and we decided to open up a flower shop and a bar. <laughs> and so you'd laugh, but it was actually amazing. You'd walk through this flower shop, and you'd reached this whiskey bar and in the back of the whiskey bar was this beautiful garden and um you know you would you would be sitting in the flower shop and you can like dim the lights and then all of a sudden you're like having a cocktail in front of like all your flowers and plants it was awesome we offered a beer and bouquet special for ten (laughs) dollars f yeah man and but we (laughs) we became more than just that bar and more than just the flower shop and bar became the like the center of that Dimas Park community and every event that was happening in that neighborhood was happening at Sycamore and I mean we had like crawfish boils we had like um we had like uh workshops to make your own flower bouquets we had whiskey tastings we had um weddings rehearsal dinners we even had a bris in the bar <laughs> but what I'm most proud about that about Sycamore is that it was a place for everybody. It was a place for families. It was a place for kids. It was a place for adults. It was a place for uh, couples, singles. It was it was open to everybody. Well, 
Allison and I had our first daughter and um, New York started to become a little bit more and more unbearable and it was becoming obvious that New York was not the place to raise a family. And um, we we had met in Michigan. We had fallen in love in Michigan. We had uh, gotten married in Michigan and um, we needed to move back here. It was obvious and we found this amazing little town called Traverse City in northern Michigan and I pinch myself every single day that I, I live here. <clears throat> so the little fleet, right? Um, I remember when we first saw Jack's Market, Allison was 100% sure that this was the, the, the place. I was 100% sure that this was not the timing and I was not ready. But Allison usually gets her way and we, um, we found our... We, we fell in love with this parking lot, right? So this parking lot was right on Front Street, and the idea of turning this parking lot into more than just a parking space for 10, 11 trucks was like, it was inspiring for us. It was like we wanted to bring life into that lot. And so we had, um, we had a couple goals for the Little Fleet, um, and so the one was to create the same inviting sense of community that we had at Sycamore, we wanted to create something that wasn't just a dark bar or a conventional restaurant. We wanted to create something that was uh, that we could bring our kids to and that was open to everybody. And we wanted to place a large emphasis on the outdoor space because we felt like Trevor City wasn't didn't have a, enough outdoor eating and drinking areas. So we visited a, a, a we visited a bunch of towns like uh, Portland, Oregon and Austin and this food truck scene was really happening all over the place and it was a craze that was happening all over the country but one thing they didn't have was they didn't have a, a, a common dining room and they didn't have a bar and so we have found our concept now well the two problems with that one is that Traverse City had no food trucks <laughs> well there was one there was Roaming Harvest and he had just opened and the, the second problem was that Traverse City actually didn't even allow food trucks. <laughs> but we were, we were determined to make it work, right? So we, uh, I found myself in a place that I definitely did not want to be right when I moved to Traverse City, which was in, in a city commissioner's meeting. And we were trying to get a food truck ordinance passed so we can have food trucks. And we had a ton of support from a lot of local entrepreneurs and a lot of people in the community rallied behind it. And we got it done. We got food trucks in Traverse City. It was, a, it was an amazing experience. <laughs> but something else happened. It was like this, uh, it, was a, it was a perfect storm because everybody was talking about this issue and everybody wanted food trucks. And I had people coming up to me saying, yeah, food trucks. And, uh, the, and then we had food trucks owner or, or people wanting coming to me and saying, we want to open up a food truck in your lot. All right. We got the ordinance and we got food trucks. It was starting to happen. One of the, we realized one of the, the problems with this concept is that we couldn't just have food trucks there. Some of the time we couldn't have food trucks there. We couldn't have five food trucks sometimes. And we couldn't have one truck there. Sometimes we had to have consistency for the customers. And so what we did is we created infrastructure so that the food trucks didn't have to leave. Right? So we gave them running water. We gave them electrical hookups so they didn't have to run their generators. We gave them uh, a garbage removal storage in the back, refrigerated storage where Jack's market had their beer. It was perfect. And now they can move in in the spring and stay there all season in the summer 
everybody has consistency. There's always food trucks there. So we figured it out and it was happening. Well, again, just like Sycamore, I feel like we are more than just a bar and a food truck lot. Um, uh, Somehow, again, we created that, that space where we were the center of the community, right? And I think we did this by just simply creating a space that could be used in a lot of different ways. And then it was up to this amazing community that we have to come to us with ideas and use the space how they wanted to, right? So we had like, we had Cook's House come to us and say, we want to do curry in your space. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> we had uh, Norte say, we want to go for these bike rides with, with all these families and we want to end at the Little Fleet. Yeah, and you know what we'll do? We'll donate a dollar for every beer that's, drink, that's consumed to Norte. Now we're giving money to one of our favorite community, one of our favorite organizations. We had... Um, up North Pride event. They, they said they wanted to use the Little Fleet. Yeah. Up North Pride event. They wanted to use the Little Fleet as their home. I was like, yeah, awesome. We had 3,000 people march at, at the at event. Um, soup, soup and Bread. Soup and Bread is this, is this a monthly event where we ask chefs to donate soup, and then we have, like, um, we have people come and, and, and give whatever they want for the soup, and it all goes to a charity. Yeah, and you know what we'll do? We'll donate 10% of the revenue on that night to that charity as well. So uh, yeah, good, Goodwill. Goodwill said, we want to do a Boots for Pints event where people bring in boots and we'll give pints. Yeah, of course we're going to do that. And now we have hundreds of more boots on the streets for the homeless. It worked. It was great. And so these events kept coming to us, and they keep coming to us. So I believe that this has become everyone's place because we've created this open, inviting place, and now it's the community that's using it how they wanted to. All we did is create a space, right? Yeah, and I, I, I 100% love this community, and I couldn't think of anywhere else to have the Little Fleet. And that's why we do what we do. We love seeing people come into our space and use it and enjoy it, that is the biggest joy I can ask when we're creating a business like this. So when I look back at these businesses, um, I, I try to like figure out like what were the key factors that made each one of these work and like what's the common thread here, right? And so I try to pull this out. And I came up with a couple of things. So um, in general, we try to think outside the box. We do the unexpected. We do something that's fun for us. Um, when when we develop and build out these places, we've always done it on our own without investors. And we've always done it on a budget, right? So we've always had to stick to that strict budget. And when you do that, I think you have to concentrate on each item that you're working on in that space. And I think that's when you develop character in your, in your place. Our staff, our staff has always been number one. They are our family. And then I think we've always done things from our heart, right? So um, I love what I do, but I constantly have to remind myself to just let go, do things from my gut and from my heart. And that's my challenge to you today is 
whether you're an entrepreneur or not or whatever you're doing, just let go, have fun, do things from your gut and from your heart. Thank you.